Shane, welcome to the show, brother. You've been working with Deliver Fund for a while. You're doing tons of great things. You're one of the people behind the scenes that they're out there tracking evil. You're actually hunting it uh, with the main intention of, of, like you guys say, hashtag crushing evil. It's crushing it. The thing right now is so many people out there have questions, questions I can't answer, questions that the general police can't answer, but experts can. So welcome to the show, brother, and welcome to the hot seat. Right. Well, I, I greatly appreciate it, Jason. Thank you for having me. And um, I'm just, just grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have you, brother. And, you know, before we started talking, we had a little pre-interview, everybody. And Shane was talking about he went to a Chamber of Commerce meeting last night. And I'm sure you get the same type of questions I do whenever I talk is like, what is this really happening out there? What can we do about it? So talk about that meeting last night. And what were some of the questions you got? Yeah. So uh, basically, you know, when you when you step into a room with other business owners, there's a lot of, you know, real estate, there's a lot of manufacturing, those type of things. So Deliver Fund is is kind of uh, obviously a little bit of a different niche within that environment. So, uh, you know, when, when I get up and introduce myself and tell people what I do and, and how we do it, that automatically engages in numerous questions after after the kind of the general meeting is over and we have some networking time. And, you know, a lot of the questions that I got were, is this happening within my community? Is this happening, happening around me? Um, you know, what can we do to, to help to, you know, alleviate some of these, these issues. And, and so the questions are always the same. Yes, this is happening within your community. Uh, the scale is obviously different depending on the geographical area in which you live, but I can guarantee you uh, trafficking has touched every community uh, throughout the country in some shape or form. You know, when you say that and you're talking to businesses, that's one area we kind of gloss over. You're always saying like uh, one of the last interviews I've had uh, from Deliver Fund, they were saying, you know what? These aren't just dive hotels. These aren't dive this, dive that. Some of these could be like high-class hotels. And I know the hotel industry is trying to get proactive about what's going on within their establishments. I know businesses as well, because you have to imagine a lot of these massage parlors and everything else are not the owners, but they're leasing it. So what is kind of the, the interaction you have with the business owners and what kind of advice would you have for a business owner? Yeah, the, you know, so far the engagement with the business owners has been really, really great. Uh, you know, they are wanting to know what the different signs are. What can I look at? What can I look for? If I see something, what do I do? Um, and you you nailed it, uh, Jason, when you said that the the operations that we do throughout the country primarily are not taking place in these CDCD motels. We're getting some of the best motels, your upper end uh, hotels, and, and running our operations from them. And the reason that we're doing that is is just because the the girls feel safer coming to a hotel that is you know a little bit more upper class. Um, so, you know, to the business owners, it's it's simply, uh, you know, with the IMBs, illicit massage businesses, uh, is be aware of, of what's going on within your business. Know who is renting from you, know what their business is. Do a little, um, a little, you know, reconnaissance, if you will, on your own to see what is going on inside the business that you are leasing to whatever that business may be. So I think that you know, for, for the general public, I think it's just to be a little bit more engaged with what's going on in your surroundings. And, you know, that is always the question I get. Always a question I get is how do we spot it? How do you spot 
some, a trafficking victim? And how do you spot a trafficker? Because, uh, you know, gone are the days of the pimp rolling around with the, the 76 El Dorado or anything else like that and big furry jackets. You know, I'm sure they still have that mechanism out there. But the thing is, how do you spot traffickers and how do you spot, spot victims? So we'll start off with the traffickers. Sure. Well, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? So that's where we take our specialized training uh, from, from our multitude of different fields. And we have a methodology that we use to directly go out and find these individuals online. And that's like, we always tell and like to say that if you touch the internet, we will find you and we will identify who you are. So I hate to come on here, uh, Jason, and say, you need to be looking for um, a girl that looks like she is, you know, is under the influence of narcotics or she's scantily clad or she won't make eye contact. Yes, those are all good indicators of somebody that is being a victim of human trafficking. The problem with that is that is not the predominance of, of what we're seeing. The You could see uh, a victim walk by you on the street and you may not even realize that that is a victim of human trafficking. So um, what I try to tell people is obviously those are some of the you know, your, your girl that looks like she's under the influence, you know, doesn't know where she's at, um, has no idea geographically about the city or location in which she's in, has no cell phone, you know, has no identification, you know, those type of things, all great clues. But the, the everyday person on the street is probably not going to have the conversation with that individual to ascertain all of those different things. So um, what I what I tell people, and you can back me up on this, I know it is trust your gut. If you feel something is wrong, it's probably wrong. And if you have that feeling, call 911 if you have to, call your local police department, wherever you're at, report as much detail as as you can give them and leave that up to them. But I say, trust your gut. And be the best witness. How many times have we seen that? Like when you're off duty as a PD or LEO or anything, they always say, hey, you know what? Be the best witness. And I always tell people, don't be a vigilante. Yes. You're going to cause more harm than good. Let law enforcement know. Take notes. License plates. plates, Everybody's got their cell phone. Yep. Everybody has their cell phone. You know, stand at a safe distance and take a bunch of a bunch of pictures, license plates, pictures Uh of the male, the female, whoever's all there. And that's about the best thing that you can do. And that's the best way. If you're very concerned about something, like you said, listen to the gut that I don't know. It's, it's millions of years of gut action. I know it's a, it's not a pretty way to say it, but listen to it and, and just be a witness, man. A lot of people want to help and there's a lot of organizations out there. You guys are, you guys are on the, uh, the offensive side and defensive side, but there's also like, I get a lot of questions about victims. Mm-hmm. Someone uh, texted me last night or said, or um, messaged me last night and said, Hey, you know what? Um, my friend's a healthcare provider. They don't have mandatory reporting. They think this person might be a trafficking victim. Who do we go to? What kind of resources are out there? And like, I know it's going to be different throughout the country, but what kind of things would you look for if you're a civilian and you happen to, you get asked these questions? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all relative to the experience and background of that certain individual. Um, Obviously, within Deliver Fund, there are certain individuals uh, with the unique expertise and background that we are looking for um, that we can put to work as far as an analyst um, or working on our Thrivers program, you know, something along those lines. 
other individuals, you know, a lot of times the best thing you can do is raise awareness, you know, talk to your legislature, uh, you know, your, your state representatives within your community and ask them, you know, what are we doing about the, the problem of human trafficking within our community? And then once they give you their answer, ask them, okay, let me see the budget line item that, that itemizes how much money are we spending? How much money are we giving our law enforcement officers to actively proactive, proactively go after this, this problem? And if the two don't meet, then you can see right there, okay, either I need to have further discussions with this representative or we need to vote different people in that actually care um, about this issue and are going to do something to put an end to it. You know, you brought up one point and no, not a lot of people put one and one together to make two. Raising awareness isn't just about raising awareness to your to your audience, to me, like as a podcast host, I want to raise awareness. Hey, I got a podcast. Cool. Um, if you're in a public, you want to raise awareness about a certain situation. But the more awareness you make about trafficking, the more it gets in front of a politician who makes the decisions to fund certain activities. If a politician doesn't realize what's going on in their constituency, then they're not going to make a decision for it. So when you're raising awareness, you're not only telling your friends and family and everything, sharing feeds and everything like that, but contact your local representatives. You have councilmen. It doesn't have, you don't have to go straight to Senate. You don't have to go straight to the president. You can start at the grassroots level, go to your local um, office holders, council members, sheriffs, whoever's out there and start writing letters, start introducing yourself saying, Hey, you know what? I heard this cool podcast. I saw this uh, organization called deliver fund. What's going on in our neighborhood? That is really what awareness can be. Hundred percent. It's it a ripple effect, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jason, it holds people accountable, right? These are our, these are our elected officials that serve the people. And you know, you you hit it right on the head. You know, be in contact with them, write them letters, and all those things. But don't just don't just stop there. My my thing would be to these individuals would be okay. Once you get a reply back, actually dig into that reply. And make sure that what they're telling you is actually what's going on and, and the things that they are, you know, making forefront in their in their agenda. And it's not just lip service that they're giving you to put you off, you know, to another topic. Get that budget line line item. See how much they're spending. See how much funds have been allocated to the fight against human trafficking. And if it's nothing or bare minimal, then you know, okay, this is where I need to start. I need to start on my local legislators. I need to start working them and you know, bring whether it's awareness they need. Um, education or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's where you start because that's where things are won. They're won at the grassroots level and then they're lifted up. Ripple effect. Uh, yes. Uh, ripples, turn, ripples turn into tidal waves. Yep. And, you know, that is what you have to do. You have to get out there. If you really, if you're serious about solving the problem, use your voice. Yes. Use your, if you can't write, talk. If you can't talk, you can't write to it. Get someone else to do it for you and share these messages. And, you know, I, I like these ideas of showing up and holding them accountable because, you know what, they, uh, every one of them, every one of them, except maybe if two or three who have something else on up or want to get reelected. Yeah, and if you throw, hey, you know what, we have trafficking victims, people being trafficked in our neighborhoods. What are we doing about it? Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is this is something um, that, you know. I can say easily because I have been throughout the country. I have done human trafficking operations from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South. And I can tell you that human trafficking 
touches every community throughout the throughout the United States. You know, you may be a more of a rural area. Um, you don't have the population that some of these, you know, bigger cities do, but you have different events. You may have a state fair, you may have a Spartan race, you may have something that is bringing people to your area. And I guarantee it, when you have those big events, these traffickers are moving their girls in and they're working these big events and then they're they're moving out. So, you know, this is an issue for everybody. And and the the reason, not one of the many reasons uh, that I am doing the work that I'm doing is this is a binary issue. You're either with us, with us, or you're against us. There's no in-between. You know, there's no fence post sitting when it comes to human trafficking. Either either you're against it or you're for it. And that and that in a legislative world is something that should be an easy should be an easy thing to pass. There should be, you know, tougher, tougher laws, you know, money allocation to law enforcement. This should be something that both sides, whether you're Republican or Democrat, could easily agree upon. Yeah, it's absolutely a bipartisan mission. You know, one thing about you is your background. We've we know what Deliver Fund's doing. We know it's awesome. We just talked about, you know, what can you do at the local level? What can people do? But your background is kind of unique. You know, you come from uh, police. Mm-hmm. You're out there. Uh, let's talk about your background and how did you get introduced into this world? Sure. Well, for me, it starts at a very, very young age. So when I was eight years old, uh, my best friend, Ryan Van Lucian, was abducted. He was sexually assaulted and he was he was murdered by a repeat sex offender who said that when he got out, he was going to offend again, except this time he was going to murder his victim. And he did. And so from a very young age, my desire to serve and protect our children and protect the vulnerable, the, the voiceless, if you will, has, you know, that that's what drove me. And so it led me into law enforcement. Um, I spent five years on patrol, like most people do when you're starting with law enforcement, you start on patrol. Um, I was then moved into investigations and I finished my career as the senior detective for the department that, you know, we were, I was in charge of all the felony crimes, you know, homicides, sex crimes, white collar crimes, um, all those type of things. And, and then I got to, uh, introduce to deliver fund and saw what their mission was their methodology behind the mission and how they conducted themselves. And then the uniqueness of the background of everybody. Um, And it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I mean, to go out and be um, a tool that can be used throughout the United States rather than in my little part of the country was so powerful. And, you know, I was drawn to it and, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I did. You know, you essentially touch evil in your your day-to-day job now, whether it's virtually or through the eyes of others. But going back to your police days, what was that like? When were you introduced to the world of trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, or even sexual abuse of minors? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that you would touch on it a little bit, um, you know, with patrol, you know, the officer taking the initial reports. And, and those type of things. But it wasn't really until I got into investigations that we really, I personally started working those crimes. And I was fortunate enough to work with um, the guest you had on previous, Jeannie Parker, who is a partner of mine. Um, and she had worked sex crimes, child exploitation for quite some time. So I was able to work hand in hand with her 
and really garner that experience that that she has had over the years. She was really kind of my mentor, if you will, um, in in you know how to investigate these crimes because they're different. Each each crime is different, but when you're talking about human trafficking or, or child uh, sexual exploitation, each case is different and has their very unique. Um, differences about them. So I was very blessed to have her as a mentor to, you know, really guide me through the process of, you know, how to do a solid investigation from start to finish. What is an investigation like for that? You know, seeing a young victim and, and, and seeing their eyes and, and going, what do I do next? I mean, especially if you're not keyed in on it. And like when you first initially started doing this. Yeah, that's why um, I tell people that if you really get in into the specialized field, you know, of, of working uh, child sex crimes, human trafficking, uh, you really have to have a passion and that passion has to come from somewhere. You can't just do it because this is something that I think I want to do. Uh, you really have to have a passion that drives you because you are seeing, in my opinion, the worst of the worst. You are seeing our precious resources, our children being offended on in the worst ways possible. And to see this repeatedly time and time again, you know, you really have to have convictions in your family. You really have to have, um, you know, good, good ways of letting that out, speaking in with other people that are, uh, you know, kind of involved in the same investigation process, you know, so you really have to have a lot of different outlets where you can let that go, because if you don't, it'll bury you. It'll absolutely bury you. Now, what are you doing for your mental health and what are your coworkers doing too? That's one thing I want to touch on. Yeah. So the the great thing about deliver fund and, you know, the coworkers that we have is we all are, have a very uh, professional background, you know, wherever we come from. So we have seen different things. We have dealt with different things. And the good thing that we do is we get together and we talk about it. You know, what is bothering you? What have you seen? You know, we will let people take mental health days. Mental health days are, if law enforcement is not giving that to their investigators that are investigating these crimes, they are uh, at a disservice to their employees because mental health days, um, sometimes you just need them. There should be no question as far as when I call in and say, hey, I just need to take a mental health day. I need to step away for a day, just kind of reflect and, you know, and then come back into it. But I think the biggest thing for me is my faith um, and my family, and then just being able to talk. You have to talk about it as much as we want to be, you know, the guys that, you know, are known for, you know, kicking in doors and, and doing all that kind of stuff. When it comes to these type of crimes, you have to have an outlet and you have to, you got to speak about it. You got to talk about what's bothering you because we are not indestructible like we like to think we are. Well, you know, you're not. And even though you're off of the street and you're not actively out there in the street, you're now behind another screen, another bat. You're in another battlefield. Yes. And when you start pulling around away these layers, of the internet, when you first started getting into this, what was that like when you start peeling away? You know, I jump on here, I look on my Facebook, I look on this, I look on that, you know, I Google something. I'm not really going crazy on internet, but like now you're really, you're deeply into it and you're seeing the perversion out there. You're seeing these predators out there. What, what really surprised you when you first started this? I think that um, the, the thing that surprised me the most was how predominant it was. I mean, it's everywhere. And if, and if 
I say this to the parents that are listening out there. If you are not involved in, you know, looking at what your child is doing on their phone, on their gaming console, on their laptop, whatever electronic device they're using, uh, you know, you're setting them up to fail because it is so rampant. I mean, I can get on and order a girl right now, like I can order a pizza and it takes just about the same amount of time. That's, that's how easily and readily accessible these type of things are. Even in small towns, you're seeing like seeing this or is it just Maine? I'm that I, I, when I hear stuff like that, I, I get tongue tied and I'm like I, ordering yeah. a child up like that. And where are these children housed and to be able to be ready and to go and what is a life like for them? Yeah. So typically, you know, if you're talking about the average day of a human trafficking victim, um, they have a quota that they have to reach, whether that's $1,500 or whatever that trafficker puts on them, they have to reach that quota every day. And so what's that consist of? That consists of sleeping with, you know, basically being raped is what it is, being raped 10 to 15 times a day by individuals they they don't know. And so what their day consists of, I'm sure, is waking up, um, giving some sort of narcotics to get their day going so they can actually stomach to be with these these guys that show up at their door and then being raped 10 to 15 times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I cannot think of a worse life or somebody that is in that life, what their projection day to day might be. I, I, I do everything that I can to try to get them out of that life, but I cannot put myself in the shoes of an actual victim and know what that feels like. But it has to be one of the most lonely um, you know, loathsome feelings that a person can have. When you make it like what? Sorry, man. I uh, you know, because I'm like a dad, and yeah, as am I. I just, yeah, I uh, I think about you know a child, seven days a week, fifteen scumbags raping yeah. them over and over and over again. The mass amount of numbers of men doing this for one girl 15 times. I mean, quick math is like, you know, 60, 70, 80 times a week. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're not, you know, they could be, uh, you know, menstruating or they could be sick. That doesn't matter. You know, that doesn't matter. There's been, you know, multiple human trafficking victims that have had to go to the hospital because, you know, they, the trafficker made them have sex while they were on their period and they had a tampon in the tampon got so far up inside that it, they actually became almost septic and were about on the verge of dying and had to go to the hospital. So, you know, these girls have no days off. This is, this is their life every day. And, you know, without people like yourself, uh, people like deliver fund and our listeners, this is something that we can grab a hold of and actually make a difference in. Yeah. When you think about, let's say a trafficker has three or four uh, girls and you're thinking about, let's say 70 men a week, you know, that's 210, 210 people for one trafficker. That That's 210 separate people that are out there buying sex from one trafficker. And, and how many traffickers are in a town? And when you start, when you start talking to me about numbers and I start talking to more people from deliver fund and forever, wherever I could find the information, I, I just can't get over these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And also on top of that, we, 
with a lot of these illicit sex sites, they have reviews, right? So they'll have reviews underneath each girl that the Johns can go in there and put their comments on. And you're going to get a lot of the comments at like, well, she didn't even, she wasn't, she didn't act like she was that into it. Well, no shit. You know, I mean, so that's the kind of the, the mentality that you're dealing with is if we can get these Johns to understand these are not prostitutes. All right. You are not paying for sex from a woman that is keeping the proceeds of that act. You are engaging in sex acts with a slave. That That is the bottom line. And so the education as far as suppression demand needs to be out there as well and let these guys know that, hey, if you had probably purchased three girls or what have you, you know, you have you have committed directly to the human trafficking market. You know, is this the dark web or can you find this on like the normal web? No, this is a front facing web, man. You know, the dark web, the dark web has a lot of you know, your, your uh, child sexual abuse material, those type of things you'll find more or a lot on the dark web. But when you're talking strictly human trafficking, and I'm talking human trafficking, the selling of, you know, individuals for sex is this is on the front facing web because they need to advertise, you know, there are a volume based business. So they need to get their, their customers, if you will, or their product in front of as much, as many customers as they can. So this is, this is, like I said, I could right now go in a matter of probably a minute or two and find a escort or an advertising escort in my area and do the transaction. So that's how easy and readily available it is. Um, yeah, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere on the front-facing web. You know, with, with this mass amount of purchasers and traffickers out there, but as far as purchasers... What surprised you the most? What was the most surprising person you've seen purchase sex? We, you know, we've had uh, uh, professional athletes, we've had doctors, we've had lawyers, we've had um, gym teachers, you know, baseball, high school, baseball coaches, you name it. We've run the whole gamut of everybody. And that's why it's so difficult to, you know, not only identify who's going to be a purchaser, but then identify, you know, who the traffickers are, who the victims are, because they can be anybody. It can be anybody. It can be a family member uh, selling someone within their own family, which we have seen uh, throughout the country happen multiple, multiple times. And those are some of the hardest investigations to work because you are working within that familial bond. I always like to tell people that there is a moral, you and I have a, a distinct moral compasses. A lot of people in the law enforcement field, a lot of people in this background do. 99% of the people in the country have this strict moral compass where they know what right is, they know what wrong is, they know what good is, they know what evil is. Some people just lack, they're almost like psychopaths. They yeah. lack, these traffickers are like, that's a commodity. Yeah. She owes me. I don't care if she lives or die. That child owes me. I don't care if they live or die. It's just like they are a commodity. They don't look at them as human. Well, you know, and a lot of it, Jason, is is generational, right? That's what their brothers did. That's what their dads did. That's what their uncles did. This is the life they grew up doing. They they have no no other skill set other than selling people. You know, so that is where a lot of the discussion needs to happen within certain communities, uh, you know, in our country is, you know, holding people accountable for the actions that they take and, and breaking that chain of, you know, generational 
um, you know, into this, into this kind of lifestyle and, you know, absentee fathers and, and families, we need to get back to where families are, you know, present and with their children, the father is there, the mother is there because that is a huge, you know, removing the father from, from a family and having, even if he's removed, but still has, you know, some engagement is a whole lot better than if he's removed and totally, you know, removed from the family. You know, these are where, where we really start to pick up on these issues where we see these, the recruitment of these children and these young ladies and young boys become more readily apparent because they have no, no supervision. Be available. That's the other thing is like, yep. be available to your child. Yes. Um, any age. Yes. They may not want to talk to you when you're, they're a teenager. Yep. Start early. Start That's now. It. it doesn't matter. Yep. Just always be involved. And have those age appropriate conversations with your children, you know, all the way through through their lifestyle. And all you're doing is setting yourself up and your, your child up for success in life. Some conversations suck. Yeah, Some are different. Very much so. Yes. But uh, do you want your child to be potentially become a victim? And I don't, I don't like making this an alarmist out there. This is a reality. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, we, we have the, or at least I do. And I know the people in my, my circle do, we have the conversations, you know, with my son on, you know, how you treat women, you know, how you treat your mother, how you treat others. You know, those are conversations that, you know, are, are, I don't have to think about them. They come, they come naturally to me to pass on to my son and human trafficking, child exploitation, those type of things those should be included within those familial conversations again, age appropriately, but then, you know, as they progress and get older, those conversations needs to, you know, keep keeping up with the times, if you will. If you could tell anybody you have the, the audience is all yours right now. What would you want them to know? I would want them to know that human trafficking is a prolific problem. It is, it is within your community, it is within your city, and you, now that you have heard this, it is incumbent upon you to take action and educate yourself and figure out what you can do or what, what you can do to raise awareness within your community, uh, within your family, all those type of things. So now that you know what the issue is, what the problem is, you, you can no longer turn a blind eye. You have to get involved. Shane, I really appreciate all the hard work you and Deliver Fund are doing. Now, everybody out there, deliverfund.org, deliverfund.org. I really go check them out. They are a legitimate nonprofit, not vigilantes, not this, not that. They are out there doing the work and helping law enforcement. They're helping using their experience. You've got everybody from uh, ex-police officers, ex-detectives, ex-intel, CIA, three-letter agencies, everything you can imagine, Navy SEALs, Army, everything. If you are a corporate donor out there, this is one thing I always like to tell people. If you are a corporation, this is a nonprofit. I don't know much about taxes, but I know one thing. Legitimate nonprofits, there may be a tax relief out there. Yes, Everybody else out there, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah. It helps. Yep. If you can't afford five bucks, you can't afford 10 bucks, share the message. What do we talk about tonight, brother? We talked about write your congressman. Yeah. And you know what? It drop involved. it down, drop it down about five letters and go to your council people. Go to your yeah. next town hall. 
talk to the police department, see what's going on. Find out if there's a victim organization in your community that you may want to support. Hey, and you know what? Trafficking may not be in your wheelhouse. Do something to help out the community because it's all going to help. Absolutely. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it.